Welcome to Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. It's a beautiful Thursday morning here uh, from our studio in Newcastle. And you are joined by Lawson and across from me is Blake. And I can't get this headphone on my head right now, but we're pretending, and that's what counts. And you can't see anything on the radio, so... Oh, we got... We got help. We've Thank got, you. We've got help coming in. So yeah, uh, Blake, Blake Penland, a great person, one of my favorite people, joining us here in the studio this morning, and just uh, just struggling. I am, man. Uh, you know, I think I did that on purpose, is what I'm going to tell myself, because you know, it's a struggle to be in the world today. It's a lot of a lot of things are happening, and that was a. That's what Jesus used. He used spiritual parables to help us understand the world around us. Yeah, the, the struggle of putting your headphones on. It's, <laughs> dude, that's deep. I, but one of the big things is I've been going wireless. So oh, these wires are dangerous God. now. I'm, I'm <laughs> like wire phobia. And now I see them like, yeah, so. What are you grateful for this morning then? Oh, so many things. I'm mm-hmm. grateful. One thing I'm really grateful is that the town where my church is is not underwater. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. The flooding has been crazy. We've mm-hmm. Uh, by God's grace, thankfully, it didn't come over like the break wall or the levee. Yeah. It got close, got mm. really close. And in fact, we made the news in Texas. That's how close it was. Oh, the pictures of Raymond Terrace, they're just like tan in Australia. Actually, that's how Australians talk, not Texans. Yeah. They're like, tan in Australia. <laughs> and I uh, showed all the pictures for um, the flooding, and it was wild. But I'm so thankful that. God held the floodwaters back and he said, only this far, no farther. <laughs> yeah, because you started like evacuating like yeah, we, stuff from the We t- sandbagged our, our church yeah. all up and it was getting it was getting crazy there. Dude, heavy so yeah, I was getting texts from like Caleb and people who go to the church. It was oh, heavy. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've come to good news, and I believe, Blake, we're going to switch it up this morning. We are. Talking about, talking like about, to do something, that. Talking about something different. What, what, are we, what are we talking about? Well, Lawson, you know, we, I just go back into the, the halls of time with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> you came and uh, you served as a local mission volunteer and as a Bible worker uh-huh. at Raymond Terrace Mission Church. Where yes, I'm the I pastor did. of that church. And we had some wild times. We some did. Some fun times, wild times, <laughs> ups and downs all around. Oh, man. I sent you that photo the other day when we first got in the church and we had a church service with like couches and yes, lawn chairs. That was cool. Oh, I that actually, was epic. I kind of want to bring back the couches. Dude, there. especially like, cause it would just be so much better cause there's like aircon and stuff now. Yeah. Back in that, back in those <laughs> and days. There's TVs and microphones and yeah. it's a totally different feel. <laughs> yeah. Back then it was just like no aircons couches and sawdust yeah it was, it, was, it was pretty gnarly good times but during the gnarly time one thing that we did to help grow the church and to spread mm. the gospel mm-hmm. and to really just reach our community i'm going to read to you a verse from luke 10 okay oh, for it yeah as and the, the bible says here in luke uh chapter 10 verse 1 says the lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit now What's really cool about this is we did this at our team as well, too, and we sent you out door knocking. And I want to talk about the the wild times of door mm-hmm. knocking, mm-hmm. their effectiveness, 
why we do it as a church. Should we do it? It's just kind of weird. Mm. Like, and or what are our thoughts about this? And, and I just want to go through it and just and talk about some door knocking adventures with Lawson Walters. Oh, yeah, let's get it. <laughs> oh, dude, door knocking is, well, you know, door knocking is such a part of my life, not only because I've done lots of it, but because that's literally how I became a Christian. Yeah. How, how I, in fact, how I became it. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. I so, totally forgot that. So, That's true. Like, my story is that, like, I was living as, like, a secular kid. I was, like, um, you know, just finished up my motorbike career. I was super depressed, like, drinking and, um, really struggling with depression and suicide. And it was, like, mm. um, at that time, these two girls, uh, Elise, Elise Hayden and now Elise Enterman and, uh, Jordan Small, they, they knocked on my door and, uh, just asked me to hang out with them. And, we, which, I just want to let the people know that that's a very unlikely pair. One's, is she Filipino? No, no. Yeah, well, she's, I, I think she's like Japanese or Korean originally, but yeah. she's from the States. Right, that, so she's like yeah. a Southern, uh, Southern American Asian. Yeah. And then the other girl is like a Finnish girl. Yeah. From Finland. From Finland. So a very unlikely pair and they knock on your door. And they okay. knock on my door. And that was actually what was interesting because I'm like, man, you guys have weird accents. Like, who, who are you? <laughs> I just come back from Europe and we just had a conversation about traveling. And so that was the thing that made me a Christian. Right. Uh, well, it was like my initial contact with the church. And so, and from there, you know, my life changed and I am who I am today. But then I decided to go to a Bible school called Arise, uh, mm-hmm. which we've talked about a bunch on Faith FM. Good. And, uh, you know, do, do some of that outreach and, and ministry for myself, get out there on the doors and uh, go for it. So yeah, yeah, I'm like, I, I love it. It's, it's been huge. Yeah. When, when I have uh, young people come to the church uh, and they... They go, okay, what do we need to do here? I was like, well, I, I give them a whole list of things, but the the list always just like a little like, you know, when the DJ stops the spinning, it's yeah. like, whatever yeah. I say, door yeah. knock, you know, yeah. like, oh, you're going to go out and do some door knock. And they're like, and they're like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> the record stops. Everyone gets scared. What is door knocking? What? How, why would we do that? That's so scary. Like that's, it's so uncomfortable. And And I want to say it is. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like, you become more comfortable with it like anything in ministry. Like, you know, we're sitting here today talking on radio. Both mm, of true. us are kind of experienced in that space um, of either radio or presenting or whatever. But I can definitely say, I remember back to my first couple of days of radio, how clunky that was and how much of a struggle it was. But it's like, you become more comfortable, but that doesn't s- still stop the potential for really weird, awkward <laughs> moments because ultimately you're dealing with random people that you're meeting at their That's door. That's right. You know? And- and I think door knocking as well is for the person door knocking as well. Mm. You're putting, it's not only about reaching out. It's about putting your faith out on the line, 100%. making it real and going, okay, I'm actually going to live out what I believe mm. and, and go in and share this gospel with other people. Cause like one of the most successful things in, in marketing, which essentially door knocking kind of acts as, you know, you're, you're being a, a marketer for the gospel. Mm. Um, is best gen- product in the world, by the way, amen. terrible marketing, <laughs> but <laughs> best, really good, best, best good product. product. We need to, we need to get even better with our marketing, but, but anyway, keep going. One of the most effective traits of that is genuineness. Mm. Um, and people can smell it on you. Like mm-hmm. if you're just out there, if you don't really care about what you're selling, you know, if you, you like, you can only get so far. Whereas I feel like the effectiveness in door knocking comes from like, first and foremost, the blessing of God, you know, l- him leading you, filling you with your Holy Spirit and everything. But the reason why it's so kind of, uh, it's so faith encompassing and it, it takes that step of faith and it really builds your faith is because you learn like, oh man, I really need to believe this before mm-hmm. I'm going to knock on someone's door and tell them about it. But 
part of knocking on the door is helping you to believe it as yeah, well, too. Amen. You don't have to be an mm. expert or a pastor or a Bible <laughs> worker, but, but the key is don't do it by yourself as well, too. So we're not sending people <laughs> out there all by themselves. Go in pairs, like the Bible says as well, too, to share the gospel. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, we are just slogging it out this morning in in the current news. Uh, The last couple of days, we have been covering and giving our perspective on some of the really heavy allegations and situations uh, that have come out of Parliament House, basically... Yeah, uh, some of the stuff that's going on by the, the leaders of our, our country, of course, you know, these things have been perpetrated by, by more low level people, by, by staffers and whatnot. We talked, well, first and foremost, the, what really blew a lid on this whole thing was the, uh, you know, the, testimony shared by Brittany Higgins mm. of the sexual assault that she has faced. And, you know, that's currently, uh, you know, ongoing in court and it's under investigation. Um, we then talked as well about, you know, just some of the, the parliament house debauchery going on by, by liberal staffers. And it turns on it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Oh, no. It doesn't stop. At, at, but wait. Yeah. There's more. Unfortunately. Oh, you know, no. we talked about how, uh, yeah, there had been a staffer fired for like filming, like committing and filming and sharing like, you know, solo sex acts in different areas in the oh. parliament house, which is so gross. But it, it doesn't just stop at, you know, it's, it turns out that it's not just one person. Oh, no. Um, but groups. Of these staffers are getting together and committing sex acts. And so this actually was brought to light by Peter Credlin, who was a former uh, liberal chief of staff uh, under the Tony Abbott administration. Now she acts as a um, political commentator for Sky News. Hmm. And she brought up that she sacked a number of staffers for committing these things because they were like literally it was getting so widespread. Mm. Um, it's, it's just so heavy. And, uh, something I was talking about was producer Shell, uh, this morning. And we kind of touched on this when we talked about the idea of toxic masculinity. And it's the, the idea of power without responsibility. Mm. And that's like, you know, when you look at these liberal staffers, these people who are employed to, to make up the numbers and then to, to reach out into, you know, the communities and find people, a lot of time they don't, they don't spend a lot of time working. Mm. Because their job is essentially to to find people and hire them. But, like, you know, there's only so much you can do with that. And it ultimately means that they have great power. They have great um, ability to be in one of, you know, the most uh, important and influential areas in Australia. Um, And, you know, with that power, like, it just corrupts. It goes ahead. It really shows off the pride of, you know, of the human heart. They would have only listened to Uncle Ben Parker. With great power comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Oh, dude. You know, even now, uh, so the, the former attorney general of Australia, the current acting health minister in Queensland, uh, Yvette Daath, uh, come out. Uh, she, you know, shared a story about her experience as well with sexual assault, claiming to, you know, be groped at, you know, a few different functions. Like, and this is happening at our parliament. This is happening in our parliament. And, and we talked about this yesterday. These are representing... Uh, these are the people representing and making the decisions for our country. Mm, uh, like, mercy. They're making the decisions of our country because we believe them to represent 
you know, the, the morality of our country, the ethos of our country. And, you know, all Australians can stand with me and say that sexual assault is not a part of the ethos of our country. No. Um, and it's and just, I can say that for sure because I took the citizenship test and it had nothing to do with it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it was the mateship and it was like the camaraderie of Australia. But this culture, this like underlying element yeah. at the parliament. That's not who Australians are. Like mm. I'm, I'm proud to call myself an Australian. I don't sound mm. like an Australian, but like that's not part of the Australian ethos mm. at all. And it's pretty frightening to hear that that's happening at parliament. But yeah, like, like we talked about yesterday, ultimately, you know, I, I just wanted to keep this section brief, but you know, it just goes back to, we are in this terrible state as human beings where, mm. where pride, uh, you know, just corrupts any responsibility that we're given, you know, unless we're really connected with Christ, like unless we're really humbling ourselves in those power, in those places of responsibility, it ultimately goes to our head and we end up doing things that we never thought we would do. And, you know, I look at these liberal staffers and I'm pretty sure they didn't sign up for it, but you know, yeah. they, that's, that's who they ended up, what they ended up doing. That's who they ended up being. So man, heavy stuff, uh, more heavy stuff coming out oh, of no. Tasmania. Uh, Tasmania is now the third state in Australia to legalize euthanasia, assisted suicide. Wow. Um, this has been a trend that has, you know, happened over the last couple of years, mm. uh, following in the footsteps of, you know, Europe making those decisions. I know that uh, probably about a year ago, we covered a story about a 16-year-old girl in the Netherlands, um, you know, being approved and going through the process of assisted suicide. How heavy of a thing that is. We're seeing it now in Australia. Now, you know, I think the Australian moniker of, of kind of common sense is is stepping in a little bit here, uh, you know, to, to be eligible for assisted suicide in Tasmania. You need to be over 18 years old. You need to be an Australian citizen for, for three years. You need to um, be a Tasmanian citizen, a resident of Tasmania for, for 12 months. Um, but also you need to be suffering from a disease that is um, incurable and is going to cause death within the next six to 12 months. So it's like a checklist. Yes. Wow. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure about the restrictions of the other states, but I'm pretty sure that this bill would have probably been modeled on what they had shared. Um, but it's unfortunate because like uh, under like, you know, these disease, uh, these, these complications that could cause you wanting to go through assisted suicide, like a lot of people have cited, you know, mental health reasons as, as a valid as a valid reason to go through with that, which mm. is so heavy because it's like, you know, during a mental health crisis, you know, struggling with depression or, or, you know, whatever it may be yeah. to lead you to that point where you are suicidal, you're, you're struggling. And it's like, you see something that is so terrible as the only way out. And it's like, are we enabling this? Hmm. It's a, it's a frightening thing. It, it kind of, to me, looks like uh, a pie that is crumbling apart. And that's our society. We're just crumbling at all mm. edges. And I'm really sad. It, 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 that, I think that's the, the best way to say it. it's sad. Mm. It's, it's, you know, a story like this, it's not something to get angry over, but just sad about. Like, yeah. I can't believe we're going through this. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Yeah, we've come to our interview section. We've got Byron Newstratton on the phone. Byron, are you there with us? Yes, I 
Certainly am. How are you this morning? Oh, fantastic. It's so good to hear from you. We're continuing on uh, now. You're semi-regular on the show. We're continuing on with our... It's, uh, you know, we've been going through the book of Genesis, our series there. Uh, we're picking it up in Genesis 19 and we're just having a, a chat about it. So, yeah, let's, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting chapter, isn't it? It's an amazing mm. chapter. Uh, there were five cities there in the plains that were all destroyed and the, the Sodom and Gomorrah were the main ones. And this is go the tremendous object lessons um, that uh, composes the uh, the story of chapter nineteen. It's a marvelous, uh, marvelous account. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. To, it's quite a heavy chapter. We were talking earlier in our news section about you know what led to this though was the depravity of the people and the and the the yeah. pri- and the pride of the people. So let, yeah, let's just jump into it and um, you know see what we can we can really draw out of this. Chapter. Uh, yeah, I think one of the things that we can learn from it is really the reality that, that God has a probationary time. Mm-hmm. And the probationary time for these cities had uh, expired. There weren't even ten righteous people, as we know. Mm. And the intercession of Abraham uh, led to the salvation of both, led to the saving of Lot. And, uh, and his daughters, there's only the three of them that came out. We don't actually know how many children Lot had, but there were sons-in-law involved who were married to his, uh, to his daughters of his. Mm. So there must have been other daughters. And uh, that is sort of a mitigating, um, what shall I say, circumstance, considering Lot's wife, who then turned around. She must have had to walk away, run away, from an extended family, perhaps. Uh, and so that would have made it very, very difficult. But that was the only way. So what are the optic lessons? That when it's time to leave all our comfort and what we are used to and what we have grown to appreciate, it must never impede our decision to follow the direction to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is very strong in the in the story here of Lot. And particularly, as Jesus said there in Luke 17, remember uh, Lot's wife. Yes. To be able to walk away of everything that you know, everything that you love and haven't been accustomed to, is is a necessity for survival at a certain time and probation closes. I think that's an eschatology that we might pick up from this account. Hmm. Well, it's definitely like as we, you know, see this as a, a really fitting representation of the very end of time. And we've been going over yeah. in our Bible study the last couple of uh, days, you know, the destruction and the restoration um, that would come, you know, upon Israel and, and God's people. And it's ultimately like if you're, you know, a relationship with Jesus is the most important, the best thing you could possibly attain in this world. And if you're letting that be impeded by something else, um, then it's like, you know, in this world where like in this world, a relationship with Jesus, a life with Jesus is the best thing we could possibly attain to have. Um, not only because it's so good in this world, but then it's so much better in the world to come. And it's like, you know, how could we let anything else stand in the way of that? Correct. Correct, and and so that's the start choice, isn't it? Mm. That you have to make, and uh, you make have to make that choice before the event uh, presents itself. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have to be conditioned, and uh, it is amazing that when you 
look at this story and this account that Lot had also a certain difficulty in leaving, but he obeyed. And uh, so the two daughters that came with them, uh, that's fine, but, but Mrs. Lot, she could not, couldn't quite handle that. And that the fact that even though she, she did go it along, she looked back. There is a, there was a, uh, yeah, what shall I say, an, an, an affection that was so ingrained mm. that stopped her really to be saved. And that is a sad thing, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly sad to, to think that, you know, uh, and, and this is a, a representation of a lot of us today. It's the danger that we have. I, I think especially as Christians, especially as, you know, uh, the description that the Bible gives um, of us, you know, living as Christians in the end time, this lukewarm state yeah. that we can end up in where we have this love for the world as well as love for God. And and it, yeah. can, it can mean that, you know, our, our affections for the world can, because we give air to them, they can ultimately, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, especially in a heavy situation like this, you know, being faced with the destruction of a city and whatnot, we can, we can, we can falter and, and lose everything. Yeah, it's interesting that in this account, it becomes obvious that Lot, instead of pitching his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah, that he had moved into the city. And so how dangerous it is mm. that when we uh, look at the comforts and the attractions of the well, of the physical or materialistic world that we live in. Uh, and he even held the position, as we know, he was sitting in the gate, which is an indication of a status, mm-hmm. because that is where the, 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 the disputes and, and um, legal matters were dealt with. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he also had the, the centers of commerce there. So he was, he was well ingrained. He had a good position. He had a, a recognition uh, in that city, obviously, particularly after the uh, intervention of Abram with the Mesopotamian kings, mm. having saved the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, his status would have increased, and that must have been tempting. But boy, what a price he paid for it. And you go back to mm. when Abram said to his uh, nephew, uh, you know, the, the, the shepherds were quarreling about the water supplies, and so Abram granted uh, Lot the first choice where to go. And of course, it was, there was an element of greed and uh, that uh, Lot chose the plains of the, of the Jordan Valley there. Mm. And uh, now he ends up with absolutely nothing. Yeah, Isn't that wow. amazing? You Is- can't take it with can you? Isn't it interesting, hey, like something that can be such a blessing because, you know, being in, you know, good land with good soil and water and whatnot, like this, this is a blessing to anyone no matter what. There's nothing inherently evil about sure. it, obtaining that, but it's something that can be so good for us, you know, when we create a dependence on it, when we create an affection on it that's outside of the realms of, you know, how God would want us to relate to that, then it can bring our downfall. Yeah, it, it is what has our affections. To me, this chapter, chapter 19 of the book of Genesis, tells me there's nothing wrong with living in a, in a good country and a good situation. But what are, where are your affections centered? Mm. And that will be the ultimate call, isn't it? Can you walk away? Can you run away from it if you have to? Mm. Or are you so attached that like Mrs. Locke, you turn around, you linger, and it'll get the better of you and you'll be lost. Mm. 
Man, you know what? You know what I find particularly interesting about this chapter? Um, how Lot, I believe, you know, tells uh, the other people who are in the city, you know, his his um, sons-in-law and whatnot. He tells them about the destruction that's going to come upon the city, and that it's going to be immediate. Like, oh, this is literally going to happen right now. Like, I know exactly when it's going to happen. And they ultimately, you know, they, they laugh it off. They say, ah, oh, you know, as if, and, uh, they, they don't escape. And it's only him, you know, Lot and his yeah. daughters who escape. It's interesting, you know, for us as Christians, like we have all this evidence as we read in books like Matthew 24 and Daniel chapter two, uh, yeah. where it's like we can see that the, you know, the end of time is on the horizon, yet we don't have a timeline for it. You know, we, we just see the events going on. We're seeing that it's, that it's yeah. happening. It's like, isn't there all the more uh, reason for us to live an experience with Jesus today because we don't know when he's coming back. We don't know when that destruction is going to happen. We know that it's soon, but we're like, yeah. well, we don't have that exact timing. Um, and it's for that very purpose as well, so that we are having that life-saving relationship with Jesus. We're being a blessing and a witness for him today rather than just yeah. waiting to the last minute, you know? Well, and that's the interesting portion of this particular account here that his son-in-laws uh, laughed at him because he seemed to them to be just a, a silly fanatic. And and so they obviously hadn't taken into the message that, that he lived. But it is interesting. Um, uh, as you say, it, it, it's absolutely fascinating. I, the decision to follow Jesus, I think this is the core value of this chapter. Mm. And and story of Solomon Gomorrah is that that you have to have made the decision well before he comes that you're going to follow him no matter what. Mm. To think that you can make it on the spot when he arrives may be error and fatal. Uh, and Byron, this is this is Blake. I'm also here on the on the show, and I'm listening. I'm loving this. Uh, I just wanted to just make the comparison back to chapters 13 and 14 in Genesis, and yeah. uh, I find it quite interesting that what happened in, in chapter 19. You know, Lot had an opportunity uh, to realize that living in Sodom and Gomorrah was quite dangerous for his family. And so he had that warning to get out of the the cities, I guess you could say, to get out of that place. And yet he chose to remain even after Abraham came in with the original 300, you know, and he and I just find that interesting. How often do we as a people as followers of God, we see these warnings, we see these signs, and yet we choose to remain in danger. Absolutely, Blake. I think it was an opportunity for Lot to increase his status, obviously, in the sight of the man, and that must have mm. attracted him. The world can draw you, you know, with rewards and recognition that, uh, mm. well, flatter the ego, to say the least, uh, but that's the killer. That is the danger. That is uh, the wrong ambitions. And uh, we'll never know whether there was any dialogue between Abram and Lot uh, since uh, afterwards, we, we, presumably, but we, we're not sure. But it is interesting. It is interesting. The choices that Lot made, and yet he's declared righteous. When push came to shove, he ran away. He, he did obey. He did leave everything behind. That is true. And that just saved him. But his... his um, choices in life they're actually quite terrible weren't they mm, yeah because he, he lost everything consequences mm. 
you pay for it. And, the, the, you know, that is the problem. The, it, it can cost you eternal life. To be focused on God, like Abram was, the, the lifestyle of Abram, he intense, he never owned any of the land and he knew it. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that is the difference between the Lot and the, and, and the Abrams in this world. That the, the Abrams, God comes first. The choice to follow God. Yes, you're not perfect in the story uh, of Abram. That the next chapter, there is a, obviously an indiscretion that he makes uh, the uh, account of uh, Sarah being then nominated by him as only his sister, which is not quite the full truth. Mm. Uh, that is true. He wasn't perfect. Uh, and yet, uh, again, when we look, of course, later on, as we will, at the sacrifice uh, directed to be made by uh, by God of uh, Isaac, he does have that capacity that, uh, that uh, demands so much respect. He has the capacity to obey. I think that's the acquisition that we should go for. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. That's Baron, thank you for sharing with us this morning. Important messages mm. there. We should not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We should be living a life of faith with Christ. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.